Welcome to Upward Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over the age of six months. If you have ever felt as though you are failing your dog, feeling defeated or at your wit's end, and that you have tried everything when it comes to working with your dog, you are not alone. Today's episode is full of surprises, as one of my clients who is feeling exactly that way shares with us her journey with her dogs, one aggressive and one full of anxiety. I had no idea what this episode would hold because Kat Atkins does not hold back. As a podcast host herself, she is well-versed in sharing her personal journeys and telling it like it is. And I'm the kind of girl can roll like a guy, but I really don't know. If you're ready for the ride, I'm champagne. Hello, I'm Billy Groom, your host and successful dogologist for three decades. And with me today, I have Kat. Hey, Kat, how's it going? Hey, Billy, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Yeah, I'm doing really well. And I'm so glad that you joined us for this episode because you're a really, well, for one, you're just a really cool person, but you're also just a really great client with this awesome learning journey and history and I just think a lot of the the listeners can really relate to it oh well thank you that means a lot and I mean it's not always easy put in the effort but it definitely pays off so (laughs) cool cool yeah well let's go through and tell them all your effort because it certainly is a fair bit and uh and you're just really good at sharing how you feel I think is another reason why I picked on you because, uh, well, you do have a podcast and in your podcast, um, what's your podcast called again? The breakthrough podcast. It is. Yeah. You got it. The breakthrough podcast. Right. And in that you're just really, really open and honest and you do talk about your dog, uh, stories and stuff as well. So that's, that's another cool way that you can learn about a cat's journey, but let's start out. Just tell us about your dogs, just who they are and their names and just a brief history on them. That sounds good. So we actually have two dogs. Um, Our one is a two-year-old mini Aussie named Gunner. And the other one is a year and a half mini Aussie healer named Scarlet. And we actually had found both of our pups online through families. They just had litters. Seemed like good families um, as far as we could tell. Um, And we really wanted to because we wanted to bring them up together so they could play, we could, they could keep each other company while we were away, and just go on all sorts of adventures together. Cool. So when you say we, what you're talking about you and Jason? Yes, my husband. Yeah. Yes. And um, so the two of you it's actually a lot of my clients. It's funny because one will have one dog and one will have the other, and then they'll move in together. You guys actually got both of them after you were together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So instead okay. of having kids, we don't want kids. We want fur babies. So Yay. we're like, why not two dogs? <laughs> Yay, I can relate to that. Yay. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so the overall, these dogs, like they were really good until, well, I mean, they're always really good. But um, you had them prior to six months and tell us about that. Everything was good. And then what changed? Yeah, so we got both of our pups from the eight weeks old, and um, we kind of noticed with Gunner right off the hop, because we got him first, uh, that he had a bit of resource guarding, but like nothing crazy. We asked our puppy trainer, we actually brought her here and kind of showed some things, um, and we were really using, um, so I guess Gunner is more resource 
guarding over food than toys than anything. So that's what we worked mm-hmm. on, but we were addressing that with treats. So it was kind of funny because we would use more perceived in quotations, you can't see my quotations, but perceived <laughs> higher value food. <laughs> um, and, and so that really worked until six, seven months old. And then when he got to that, I like to call him my bratty teenager. Mm-hmm. He really just wanted to give us a run for money. He was like, Mm-mm, I'm smarter than this. Like I'm over the treats kind of deal. And right. so that was okay. really hard. Yeah. And that's, that's super common when something works really well and then it stops working. And that's pretty much a really common age for that to happen. But of course you didn't know that at that time, did you? No idea. So when I like listened to your podcast and watched your website and first looked into you, I was like, oh my gosh, this timeline with our dog is making so much sense. And then because he had resource guarding and he was slowly building up this behavior. Uh, After we went for a holiday, we noticed he was much more reactive to different situations. It could have been us maybe asking him to move or leave it, or maybe there was a loud noise or a sudden movement. Like he would just react. He would growl um, and lunge and bite. And it was just like we were just like we didn't know how to address this. We thought, okay, now all of a sudden we're dealing with an aggressive dog. Like, what yeah. is going? Yeah, that's yeah. kind of scary. So when you said you went on vacation, you took your dogs with you on that vacation? No, we actually um, had a a sitter stay at the house with our animals. We have um, Gunner and Scarlet, and then a cat as well named Chaos. And so she stayed here at the house and she's always worked with dogs or taking care of dogs for Mm -hmm. many, many years. So it was really just a weird change. And we were not too sure why it happened. Like it could have been, we weren't there for two weeks. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I don't think it had anything to do with the sitter that you weren't there. I think it's common behavior, but he might've, it sort of might've exasperated a little bit because he wasn't getting um, that direction and the same you know, dog sitters are are great and they're fun, but they're kind of like staying at the fun ants place or or the fun ant coming to stay, right? So sometimes, but having said that, sometimes there's absolutely no reason. It just is how it is and, and based on the age and people do tend to blame themselves and they do, what did we do wrong? Was it because we went away? No, no, it's just super common. And unfortunately the dog world doesn't really acknowledge that. But if you keep doing that style of training like that, the treat training and not progress with the dog. It's it's the same with kids. If you don't progress with them, they start to go, Haha, you don't know what you're doing. So, so then when you got back, what was the next thing that you, that you did that you tried? Yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of sporadic where, um, his behavior would, would, would happen. I, I guess we were calling it like aggressive scenarios I guess but and so we kind of just let it happen and would try and put him in his kennel or you know like look up things online to do and then eventually we had hired a new trainer to come in and um he again showed us resource guarding things that we could do with food and then also said we could slowly build up by doing things that he's reacting to but no real guidance it kind of felt like 
It's like, okay, so we're going to do this, but we didn't feel confident. And I was actually like scared of Gunner at that point. I just like, I have, I have PTSD and anxiety. And when he would just have one of his spurts or his reactions, it would, it would send me into a spiral. Yeah, it is. So, so I would actually avoid situations and kind of walk on eggshells at home all the time. So it it got exhausting worrying about you know, where's Gunner, you know, and he would react to the dog drink or the cat drinking water. So where's the cat? Like, oh my goodness. Like there's just so many things to think about. What noise am I making here? Yeah. Yeah. When people call me, they're frustrated a lot of the time and they're, they're scared and they don't know what to do. And it is, it's like super scary when, and it's, it's one thing to sort of say to people, oh, you need to be the boss or you need to do these behaviors so that they get over it. It's like, well, you know, you need tools to do that. You need to ha- to have the ability to do that without it uh, causing more damage or causing that behavior. And it's, there's, I mean, uh, the th- people really try to help. They do. And there's a lot of advice online, but sometimes it's just, it's not, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, you have to be calm and you have to be the leader. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's funny because then my husband and I were going, okay, so who's the pack leader? Who's giving the command, you know, and then is he being dominant? There's so many things in the dog world that as owners, we've learned that really are not even a thing. And it's just so crazy to me now that we rely on you know, treat rewarding our dog with treats and expecting them to do things or just with basic commands and not really growing that and expecting them to live with us in our normal today lives. And yeah, that's well put. It is a big expectation, isn't it? It's a big expectation for us to think that we can do these like kindergarten basic things, which are great and they're helpful for puppies. They're necessary socialization, everything, but it it would just be like sending your kid to basic you know, kindergarten grade one or two, and then expecting them just for everything to be okay and us not to advance the way we work with them. That's really well put. So, um, so then, okay, now you've had two trainers and then you, did you do a board and train? Yeah. So we had brought the trainer back again, the same one we had brought in before. And he was like, honestly, I've seen this with other dogs. I've had dealt with a dog like this. He's like, I just had to put the dog down. And he actually recommended we put our dog down. And of course, Jason and I are distraught. We're crying. We're upset over the thing or over the situation. And we did, we felt so lost, but we didn't want to give up on him. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, like a professional trainer is saying to do it. We called our vet and our vets on board. So, I mean, what do we do? But Again, I, I reached out into one of our Facebook groups and I ended up find, connecting with a trainer and we ended up sending Gunner for one month up to this trainer. And I mean, it was really good when we got Gunner back. We noticed him definitely um, a lot calmer, um, maybe listening a bit better and um, a change. But if, funny enough, like we didn't really get a lot of training or information back from that trainer to actually bring Gunner back into our home and actually be able to work with him and grow. Right. Right. So, so what she was doing was good. She, I guess Mm -hmm. she was a, she, yeah, what she was doing was, was good and it was helpful. Um, but that you didn't have a core platform or transferable skills to work with. No. 
And so yeah. um, I think when when you contacted me, he had gone back to to biting and and resource guarding to a certain extent. Yeah, like it wasn't as bad, and we only had one scenario where it had happened when he had just come back. And um, yeah, I had called you because oh funny. right, that's right, I forgot you actually called me because the vet because you were going to rehome him. Yeah. So we were told basically that maybe we were just not strong enough handlers for Gunner, which kind of was a slap in the face because we had, we have put a lot of work into our dogs with training commands, like all of that. So to be told that it was hard to hear. So, but with that being said, we wanted to give him the best life. So we figured, okay, let's try and find a good home with handlers that know what they're dealing with. Um, and I was at work. I, I ended up talking to a customer who is a vet. And I asked her, I said, I believe everything happens for a reason. I told her the situation and I asked if she had any recommendations. And she said you. So I called you and you called me back and we talked. And it was just so crazy how just our conversation went and how we connected just over the phone even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. And I remember thinking that um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't rehome. I don't know. But from what you had had tried and from what you the information you provided to me, it's not exactly what I would have done. So we could try what I would do. And then if still you felt like you needed to rehome, we can do that. It's, you know, I never judge my clients. Um, and until I, you know, get in there and start start working with my client and the dog, I, I don't really know either. So, yeah, yeah, I was really impressed that you went, because a lot of times if people are at that point, they're like that far gone, <laughs> so to speak, like they have tried that much and they tried that hard and they've just been told numerous times, you know, sometimes. So I certainly don't, push. Um, but on the same note, I can't help rehome a dog that I don't know. So I think that's yeah. more, it wasn't so much that I was trying to get you to necessarily hire me. It was more, I, I can't help you rehome because I don't know your dog and I don't know what's working and what isn't working. And, and, you know, I'm not, uh, that's not what I do. I don't rehome dogs, but I, I do help my clients. And if they choose yeah. to do that, then, then that's different. And it's funny because you actually said, you know, I actually might know someone mm. that you had said you might get back to me. And within that time, I'd listened to more of your podcast. Like I binged your podcast. It is so amazing. And I also went on your website and I got home and I just had this gut feeling. And I told Jason, I met this woman. She is possibly may have someone in mind for rehoming, but when you said hmm over the phone, it really made me wonder that I ha- we hadn't tried everything. I was like, okay, I like I am someone who really believes in learning and growing. And I thought to myself, if I don't know everything, are we really making the right call for him? So you really made me question, like, okay, this woman, and from what I've heard already and listened is like the real deal here. She knows what she's talking about with dogs. I was so blown away. That is so cool. Yeah. And I don't really, I'm definitely never a salesperson. I'm not like, I don't, it's just try something. And, and I remember the home that I thought would have been good. It, it, and it would have been, but I just felt like 
oh, I just, when I was talking to you, I felt like they, they if, if we go down that route of trying something different, they'll try it. Like they'll put in the effort and the devotion and they'll, they'll, they'll really try it. And so we did. And actually we also worked a lot with your other dog, Scarlett, because she has anxiety. And in our first session, we took her downtown into your small town and, and, uh, so, you know, it was interesting because they're very different dogs, yet overall the same, same type of approach. And you, you probably saw it work first with, Scarlet, because Gunner is is sort of really good ninety percent of the time or ninety five percent of the time, and it's just those times that he reacts, and you, you can't sit there and make him do it. So, so. yeah, yeah, and so we're yeah. applying it with both. Yeah, and it was so unreal to see how quick the transformation with your technique techniques was with Scarlet downtown, because she's always reacted and always been super anxious and honestly embarrassing when you have a dog that is barking and whining at people or movement it just makes you not want to go anywhere and it's it's really again it makes you feel like you're kind of trapped like okay if I go travel how's my dog going to be is she going to be anxious if I take her here how is she going to be and so being with you that first day and seeing that transformation by your easy techniques it was mind-blowing to me it was like okay we can yeah. totally do this yeah it was totally fun like, like we were strutting through uh through Lumsden and there was people getting ice cream cones and all sorts of, yeah it was totally cool it was like we were strutting around yeah it was totally fun yeah Scarlett's cute she's a cute little thing and I could see it people wanting to pat her and wanting to say and, and it would have normally would have freaked her out well yeah and your transferable skill that you showed us she wanted to go see the people. Yeah. That first time it was yeah. a complete 160 change. It was like, who is this dog? <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. I'm so happy. And I, I have to remember to say that to people too. It's like, you're doing really well because I'm always caught up in, nor am I, am, am I providing enough information? Am I doing my job well? But it's, it's, it's a lot for the, you know, I have to remember to say to people, you're doing this job really well. You're, you are doing it. You're getting it. And even you know, we had some great sessions at the off-leash park with both of them and built their skills. And you were able to take uh, Gunner to the groomer, which was a hilarious photo. It's on my Instagram, Upper Dogology. Oh. It's, he's got like a bath cap on his head. It's a freaking hilarious photo. Adorable. Uh, yeah, it's so, and, and that groomer is a client of mine. So she knows the overall approach that went really well. Um, wow. And normally cleaning his ears or touching his paws. So everything just kind of works as a whole. And then they go to the daycare there and the off-leash park. Everything worked as a whole. It was going along. And then you had a relapse. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, thought, okay, like I just went in with Scarlett, cleaned her off and figured, okay, I'm going to go do Gunner next. And I really didn't think about it. And it's funny because we're not only retraining Gunner but we're also retraining our brains and ourselves and our habits with them. So I didn't even think of maybe my position, how I may have just gone in without even asking him, you know, quite often I don't ask my dog's permission, but I really need to refocus my mind and, and know that they, they're beings too. They have their bubble in their space, but obviously I got in Gunner's bubble. He had a very long day. He was tired. He didn't have his naps. And so when I kind of cornered him and went to go wipe him down, he was telling me he had enough and he, and he had bitten me. So 
he, he just, he was reacting how he knows how to, right? So we have work to do, but with your techniques, I was able to calm him down much quicker and able to redirect his brain where before we didn't have that, we were kind of stuck. What do we do when he's in this mindset? How do we get him from 10 to back down to zero now? Yeah. Yeah. And you called me right away and you were in a panic and my clients are, I mean, it's, it's common. It's like their dog just bit them or they felt like everything was going well or, and then it's like, Oh shit, man, crap. It's like, Oh, but you know what? That happens. And it's not your fault. It's not their fault. It's just a matter like exactly what you said. It's hard to completely say, what tools do I have right now? How can I use the tools? What should I have done? Um, how could I do this differently next time? And just be okay with yourself with that. It's, you know, I screw up on lots of stuff all the time, not, not dog related, sorry, but other, <laughs> other things in life that I screw up on all the time. And it's like, oh shit, I should have done that differently. And um, yeah. And the fact that that that's okay. And, and you get more used to it. Like you said, it's, it's a habit, it, right? It's a habit. It's like an eating habit. And one, one day we just go off the rails and it's like a total potato chip day. And it's like, oh fuck. But then it's like, you can just get it back and think, okay, the next time I'm about to have a potato chip day, I know how to pull myself out of this. I have the tools. I have the skills. Totally. And I love the fact that I could just call you or text you. You respond so quickly, but I love that fact that you were able to help me walk through the scenario after it had happened, not like the next day, because I was even stuck in a mindset of what did I do wrong? Like just defeat. Right. So I was able to talk to you quickly and you were able to help me through the situation. And it overall made my weekend better because I was able to understand what I had done, what I needed to do and move forward versus maybe holding on to, okay, what could have I done? All that kind of stuff. So that I appreciate so freaking much. Well, I appreciate you putting the trust in and calling me because sometimes that's really hard for people. It's hard for people to say, I just, I just did that. And I'm super upset. Yeah, you did, but this is, this is what we're, we're going to do. And, and it's a good learning curve for me too, because, um, it's that fine line between being not necessarily sympathetic, but empathetic and solution oriented in order to work people through. It's, it's, um, you know, and after everything you've put in, I know we have the tools. It's just a matter of continuing to heighten them and and to learn how to apply them. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm just so happy. I'm so happy for you. And I just thought this would be a really um, great episode for for people to hear for whatever reason. I, I don't think we had a real um, path that it was going down, but I, I've really enjoyed it. And I've really enjoyed I, talking to you. And I'm so excited for your podcast, the Breakthrough yeah, Podcast. Yeah. So as you can hear from this, Kat is like super open and honest, and she's had quite a life journey herself and she's super helpful. So check out her podcast. Thank you. I would appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Kat. We'll yeah, keep in touch. You- of course. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Take care. Thanks to Kat Atkins, who has so much to offer and shared her experiences with everyone, which is not an easy thing to do. Every day I get emails or calls from experienced dog owners, dog owners of every level, caring people who want to help their dog but are feeling defeated and lost. 
The point of this episode is that if you are feeling this way, it is not your fault. It should be common knowledge to advance to upward dogology using cognitive behavioral therapy when common techniques are limiting, ineffective, or counterproductive. Many veterinarians refer me, and I have a huge support from clients and other professionals, which I am so grateful for. Please help spread awareness by sharing this podcast with your vet, trainer, behaviorist, groomer, and local rescue organizations. Please leave a rating or review, and if you are interested in becoming a certified upper dogologist or if you have any questions, please email me at billy at upperdogology.com. Follow Upper Dogology on Instagram and Facebook. We are also on Twitter and LinkedIn. And please check out the other episodes. They have a lot to offer. Enjoy your learning journey. Mm-hmm.